Well, welcome to another version, another edition of the Eagles Bird's Eye View podcast uh, coming to you uh, from soggy uh, Philadelphia and South Jersey. Um, it's uh, We're looking at a team that uh, lost uh, another game Sunday at Arizona, but that wasn't really the focus of anyone's uh, attention given the performance of quarterback Jalen Hurts. And I'm here. I'm Les Bowen. I'm with Paul Darmowitz. Hello. And E.J. Smith. How's it going? And we're going to talk about that and a few other subjects here uh, as we get the week going. Uh, as the Eagles prepare for uh, an outing to Dallas that uh, could keep them alive in the playoff race as long as the uh, Washington team loses to the Panthers at the same time uh, late uh, Sunday afternoon. So that's going to be just a, a barrel of fun for all of us to keep track <laughs> of uh, Sunday, uh, trying to figure out if the Eagles can still make the playoffs or not. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, Jalen Hurts, a wonderful performance Sunday, uh, much uh, better in terms of looking at him as a, as a, viable NFL starting quarterback than the previous week, which produced the huge victory uh, against New Orleans. This one was not about him running around and, and moving the change with his feet. It was about uh, his, his passing mostly, although he did run very effectively. Um, I was surprised and impressed, uh, but I've been through too many of these things to <laughs> just suddenly say, oh, okay, let's do this. You know, let's have Jalen Hurts be the quarterback forever. Uh, how do you guys see it? EJ? Um, yeah, I, I sort of agree with you. You know, I think it's easy and it's almost, you know, natural to just assume that what you see, you know, especially because he's showing progress, you know, it's kind of human nature to think, well, he's just going to keep getting better every week and, you know, it's, it's his era now, you know, this is hurts his time, but I still think it's important to keep in mind that like, you know, Mike Sealski wrote a great column about this, like, yep. you know, a two game sample size does not a franchise quarterback make. Um, so I think it's, it's fair to be cautiously optimistic if you're an Eagles fan and, you know, you want him to be, um, you know, the, the guy next year. But um, I mean, even unless he really keeps showing, you know, great progression. And even then, you know, over these next four weeks, if he plays incredibly well, you're probably still going to have to see about next year. I mean, it's just, it takes a while with quarterbacks. And that's kind of why I think they were so reluctant to do this is because, you know, they, they really won't know what they have in him for a really long time. I mean, this is a, it's a long process to, you know, diagnose if you have a franchise quarterback. Yeah, I agree with both of you. I mean, uh, you know, the, the kid has looked good. Um, you know, I've been more impressed with what he's brought to the run game than I have to the past game, even though he's thrown the ball well. He's also had – I mean, he's had some throws that, you know, you look at and you say, geez, how'd he miss him? You know, I mean, Zach Ertz yeah, yeah. must have went, you know, like could it should have had another 50 yards, uh, 50 receiving yards that game. Uh uh, but anyway, it's gonna. You're right. It's gonna take a while, and 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 I got a feeling that no matter what happens in these next two weeks, they're still gonna go into the off season thinking, well, if, you know, he's played well, but if we can just fix Carson, yeah, uh, mm -hmm. that that that's gonna be their top priority. But you know, whether Carson wants to be fixed here or somewhere else is another thing that you know is gonna be thrown into the whole 
uh, situation. But you know, but what we've seen so far, you gotta like. Yeah, I think I guess you're right, Domo. You should give him the credit. You know, you should say that he's played well. Um, and you know, it's been nothing. I mean, not it's been mostly positive signs so far. Um, I I don't want to sound like I'm poo pooing him or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It. You know, if, if two games told you what a quarterback was going to be, uh, Bobby Hoying would be in Canton. <laughs> and, you know, and, and as I wrote today, the, you know, for, if you even look at four-game samples uh, for Carson Wentz uh, at the beginning of his career, for Carson Wentz at the end of last season. Yeah. You know, I mean, there was nobody. If you go back to the end of last regular season, before the concussion in the playoff game, you couldn't have found anybody that yeah. didn't think Carson Wentz was a franchise quarterback. He might have had some issues. I think most quarterbacks do. Uh, you know, there are very few quarterbacks who are perfect, other than Patrick Mahomes, maybe. Uh, but yeah. I just – how you make these decisions, uh, and the Eagles have set themselves up for just a a real dilemma yeah. uh, going into this offseason. I mean, yeah. they're going to be able – these last two games, unless Jalen Hurts regresses or something, um, there's going to be a real strong momentum toward making him the quarterback. You're going to have a rebuilding team that's going to be younger. Uh, we don't think of Carson Wentz as being old, certainly, but he's going to be five years older than Jalen Hurts, uh, you know, um, next season. And it's it, it's a real uh, – it's a sticky mess they've gotten themselves and, in. And there's so much that's involved here if they decide to yeah. go with Jalen long term because you don't just plug him into this offense. I mean, first of all, the right. coaching situation is uncertain. So that's uh, – but, but I mean, you have to be- drastically change your offense like they've changed it everywhere else that quarterbacks of his style have right. – have gone. I mean, uh, look what happened. I mean, Baltimore just totally is a different offense. Uh, uh, yes. Arizona hired, you know, hired a coach that coaches that kind of offense and yeah. got rid of a yes. got rid of a pocket passer. Uh, so you know that all goes into the thinking here because you're going to be making you're going to be drastically changing everything. Um, That's it. Now that the you know the plus side is, I mean, I like this offense. I think it can. You know, it's it's obviously worked on Saturdays forever. Uh, and I think it can work in this league if you can avoid enough of the hits and, and can find yourself a backup who, in the event something does happen to your quarterback, you can put into this, a similar offense. But, uh, you know, I think that's why a lot of people are excited, fans, I mean, that are ex- excited about this because they just like watching this style of football. Yeah, yeah. It's certainly a lot less frustrating than what we've been seeing this season. Yeah. Uh, there's this big offensive explosion around the league, and you couldn't prove it by watching the Eagles for most of the year. Yeah. Uh, all that's very true. I, the biggest thing here to grapple with maybe uh, is uh, it, even if you're convinced that Jalen Hurts is good and is going to be good, it, it, I've under, I understand the scenarios for trading Carson Wentz, and I understand that the $34 million dead money is counterbalanced by the fact that you wouldn't be paying him $34 million next year. But that's real money. That, that's not – the cap is really the problem here, not real money. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, nobody has ever taken a $34 million dead cap hit. And I still haven't had anybody really explain to me how a team that's farther over the projected cap than any other team in the league is going to take a $34 million cap hit on top of that and still field a competitive team next season. I, I, I really don't see that. And until we can get around that, it's, it's kind of a, it's, it's an albatross. I mean, could you have him here as the backup at $34 million next year? What do you guys think of that? I mean, it, the indication from that Adam Schefter report Sunday was that Carson would not abide that. Uh, it would be one of the most bizarre situations in NFL history. Uh, I can understand if he didn't want to abide it. Um, but what do you think? What? <laughs> How does this play out in terms of the money? How, what do you think that is most likely? I think that, I mean, if they're if this gets ugly, which it, it very well could, I think their only option is to trade him. I mean, they can't cut him. And even trading right. him is so difficult, like you said. And the only thing that has been interesting, you know, watching play out in the last few weeks is it does seem like the general consensus around the league is that he does have trade value. You know, I, I was curious about that just because of the way that this year went. Um, that maybe, you know, like you, you just read things, you know, out there and it's just, it makes, it sort of feels like, you know, teams are convinced that they could fix him and, you know, that would lend, lend him to have more trade value than maybe you would have thought. Um, I still don't know how likely that is. I mean, again, that's a huge cap number um, for a team that is already in such bad, in such a bad spot, but I don't know. I mean, if it gets ugly, I don't know if you have a choice. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, I do the Q&A with Joe Banner every week. And, you know, I mean, nobody knows the machinations of the cap uh, better than Banner. And, and, and he basically has said, you know, as the, this contract is written right now, it would be next impossible to trade him. Um, but they can do some things. They don't need his permission. I mean, where you turn a lot of these things into bonuses uh that makes this contract a lot less onerous as far as trading him um okay so you know it's uh, they're still they would still be taking a huge hit uh likely but not as bad as 34 million but uh you know whether they're willing to do that is the question I, you know i mean i just i unless he pushes this completely and says i want out I just think they're going to try and keep both of them through the off season and, and kind of see where Carson's head's at, see if he seems to be making improvement, if there, if there are OTAs and an off-season program where, you can, you know, where he'll be getting a lot of reps and, and use that as a judge going forward. Yeah. You know, I, if I were Carson, I would not be – I would certainly be willing to stay here under that scenario, but I'd be so wary because we've seen these situations before, these competitions that aren't really competitions, you know, mm -hmm. that where maybe the coaches have an idea of what they want to do. And I, are they really going to go forward with Carson if Hertz looks really good, you know, closing out this season? Or are they going to look for ways – to make Hertz the guy, uh, you know, we all remember the whole Sam Bradford thing and Sam Bradford has a bad name here, you know, because uh, it went bad and because they, 
they traded him. But Sam Bradford had no – this is something else that I think uh, Mike Sielski might have mentioned today. Um, Bradford had no appetite for this pretend competition that he was going to be having with Wentz and how he was going to start the season and Wentz was going to back him up because he knew that this wasn't going to last, that there was no way, you know. And sure enough, uh, the week before the season started, they uh, found an opportunity to trade him. It was uh, kind of out of the blue when Teddy Bridgewater got hurt. But that was their intention all along, was to move forward with Carson Wentz. And if I'm Wentz in this situation coming up this offseason, I'm very leery of them saying, well, let's just see what happens. You know, I, yes, they owe him the money, but I, I kind of think that the momentum is with the other guy. Yeah, I mean, especially if he plays the way that he's played the last two games. Um, you know, I, I think that this is why it would have been good to maybe make this move earlier because you only have the four-game sample size. But at the same time, I right. said earlier, I get why they took so long to do it because once you open the can of worms, it's hard to, you know, put it back in. <laughs> yep. That, that, I, I think Doug Peterson right up until this last game was, was very firmly in that camp. I, I do not think he wanted to make this move and open up this can of worms, but here we are, and we'll see where it goes. But let's move on to some other things here. Uh, it's Tuesday as we're recording this, and we've just talked to Jim Schwartz, the defensive coordinator, and Dave Phipp, the special teams coordinator of the Eagles, and they were both really interesting today. I'm going to lead off with Phipp because I think all the Hurts hullabaloo kind of overshadowed the most disastrous special teams day I can remember for the Eagles since that opener at Green Bay a uh, decade or so ago when uh, the Eagles didn't have a punt returner and lost the game because they kept uh, fumbling away punts. Um, this game, they, they got a punt block that resulted in a touchdown the next play. Um, they gave up a fake punt that didn't end up costing them points, but was just ridiculous. Um, they got their punter hurt, presumably on the blocked punt, and ended up muffing a, an attempt at an extra point and not going for field goals because their holder was hurt. Um, they, they, their return game was nothing, as has been the case so often this year. Uh, just a complete disaster to me. And perhaps a reflection of where this roster is uh, more than on Dave Phipp, even though Phipp took all the blame today. He's been a coach here since 2013, and he's had a lot of pretty good uh, special teams operations. I don't think he suddenly changed anything or, or the game passed him by or anything like that. I think, I think they have bad players out there on special teams. What do you guys think? Well, I think, I mean, I think that the, 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 the lack of continuity on their return teams has been evident with kick and was evident Sunday with the kickoff returns. Yeah. I mean, like I pointed out in my five reasons, uh, you know, when Boston Scott would, would, would catch those kickoffs, which they were intentionally not putting in the end zones because they wanted him to return them. Uh, it looked yeah. like Butch and Sundance coming out of that building in the Bolivian army waiting for him. Uh, right. I mean, there was nobody was getting blocked. They were just descending on him. There were no creases. There was nothing. I mean, uh, so yep. uh, you know that's where I think they've got some major problems. The, you know, the punt, the punt block. 
you know, I've watched it several times. And it's, I mean, it, Dallas Goddard blew a block. He, he made a bad decision uh, from everything I can yeah. tell. Uh, he, he ignored yeah. Turner coming through a gap and, and decided to double team another guy. You know, he lines up right next to uh, Lovato. Uh, you know, Lovato mm. can't take on Turner himself. By the time he gets out of his stance, uh, Turner's like right. by him. So, I mean, that's who I – and and Goddard's not a guy who just, you know, just joined. You know, I mean, he's played special teams. So yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. I, Maybe he's trying to have to do too much. Maybe in an ideal world, you wouldn't have Dallas Goddard doing that. That You'd have, you know – I guess they lost Richard Rodgers early in the yeah. game. Maybe that would have been – Rogers, but, but, I don't know. but the bottom line um, is their special teams has been a disaster and and and, and yeah. it never was more obvious than uh, than on Sunday. Yeah, I mean usually Tuesdays we're, you know, talking about misfielded punts and, you know, poor returns uh, yardage, but I mean this week it was like not even the number one priority because <laughs> I mean they lost the game by 7 points and I mean by my count the special teams gave up I mean, the special teams was responsible for probably eight points, you know, the extra point and then the touchdown on the blocked punt. I mean, and that's probably at the very least. Uh, their field position was yeah, awful again. That discounts so, yeah. the possibility. Yeah. Of, and, you, you know, another, another thing about those kickoff returns, guys, uh, and this has been a problem all year with not only the kickoff returns, but the lack of punt returns and the lack of turnovers, is the average drive start for the offense has just yes. been horrible. I mean, they've been 29th in the league most of the year, sometimes 30. Uh, you know, when you've got an offense that's struggling already, the last thing they need is to be starting every drive back, at, you know, back at their own uh, between their own 20, 25, never, never having the ball, in, you know, in, in, right. in the other team's uh, side of the field. Uh, so that's been a big problem all year. Yeah. Yeah, it has. And, you know, even when this offense isn't really struggling, it's not a big strike offense. It's not a 70 yard touchdown pass offense it's a grinded out kind of offense, even with Jalen Hurts. And obviously the farther yeah. back you start, the more chances you have for a false start or, uh, you know, a, a blown up play to end the drive. Even, and that's something I've seen a whole lot from the Eagles this year. You get two, three, four first downs, and then suddenly it's third and 21 and you're punting in the next yeah. play, you know, and, you know that yeah it does have a lot to do with special teams it really does well let's talk about the defense too uh an odd game for the defense sunday i thought gave up 33 points which is way too many but and gave up kyler murray's career high 406 <laughs> passing but still didn't really play that yeah. badly uh you know, you're missing three-fourths of your secondary. You have no cohesion back there at all. Uh, Jim Schwartz told us today he kept Jalen Mills at safety as much as he could just to have somebody playing his normal position who could kind of, you know, orient the rest of the group. And that made sense to me. You know, uh, Michael Jaquette, uh, rookie from Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns, uh, I thought – competed tremendously looked better than frankly Devontae Maddox has looked yeah. all year <laughs> uh, gave up a whole bunch of yards and a whole bunch of catches but was right in DeAndre Hopkins face most of the day I thought and also had two huge plays forced a fumble uh, once and sacked uh, the quarterback another time which resulted in a fumble 
uh, even though he didn't really force it. Mikel Roby Coleman's tie forced it. But, but nonetheless, uh, what did you guys make of that and the defense and, and you know, what happened? After all the training camp talk about how, you know, the height doesn't matter as much as you think at the outside cornerback spot. I mean, Michael Jaquette is a 6'2 corner with really long arms, and you could just see that it, he was more comfortable on the outside. I mean, if you look at his stats, it's it's not it, – what didn't seem like a good day, but when you consider who he was going up against and just the circumstances that they were in, you're right. I think he played a pretty good game. And I think that, you know, he's been – not one of the brightest spots this year, but another young player that, you know, going into next year, you would be, you know, hopeful could take a step because I think that he could be a decent player. I mean, he's new to the position. <clears throat> he played a wide receiver in college um, and, you know, just recently switched to corner uh, in his last year. And I think he's still, I mean, I talked to him earlier this season and he said, I'm still learning a lot of the ins and outs of playing corner. And, you know, this year has been good for him. Um, so, so yeah, I think that, you know, even, if these, if even if the Eagles somehow made a playoff run and Avante Maddox could come back for the wild card round, which is getting way ahead of ourselves, but even if all that happened, I still think that Jaquette might be the the better option as an outside corner. Yeah, I completely agree, Jay. I mean, I, my feeling from day one has been putting Avante Maddox outside is like insane. Uh, you know, they they had to play Nikel Roby there, uh, Coleman there too. On, on yeah. you just can't put five eight and five nine guys on on the outside anymore I, yeah. you know, I don't want to hear about how yeah. well he can jump and all this I mean Avante Maddox is a good player yeah. but he either belongs at nickel or where I put him next year is at safety I yep. mean I, I felt he could be a good safety yeah. since the, his rookie season when he when he had to play there a few times and, and really played well I mean he's a good hard tackler not afraid to stick his nose into things he just you don't want it. He doesn't belong on the outside in a, in a league where you've got so many, you know, six three, six four wide receivers. So yeah, I mean, I think watching Jaquette, I mean, even that game winning touchdown he gave up. I mean, he was all over uh, DeAndre Hopkins. You know, Hopkins is one of two or three guys that probably comes down with that ball uh, one handed, no less, as he hit the ground and still hangs on to it. So, you know, I, I really like the kid. I was impressed by him on Sunday. Yeah, and the thing that gives me hope is the thing that EJ mentioned. Uh, normally you think, okay, uh, big corner, somehow played at Louisiana, didn't get drafted. Obviously, there's something, either he runs the 40 in six <laughs> seconds or he kills people in his spare time or something. <laughs> but it's really a matter of he came out of high school as yeah. a quarterback. Went to Louisiana, switched to wide receiver, uh, played most of his college career at wide receiver, and then switched at the very end to corner. So there you see, you know, how this could happen. And it, it isn't a matter of him not being a good yeah. athlete, you know. So, yeah, I really uh, – I want to see a lot more there. I, yeah, I, and, I, you know, just easy. as – you know, we've always talked about uh, Greg Ward's background as a – quarterback helping him as a wide receiver because he knows what he's looking at knows knows how defensive backs play uh i think jaquette's uh got this you know has a similar advantage having been an ex-quarterback ex-wide receiver now playing on the other side of the ball understanding what he, what people right. are trying to do to him yeah yeah uh the rest of the defense uh the biggest thing i saw alex singleton uh he's not great in pass coverage he's not big 
Uh, he's not super, super, super intuitive or fast. But, boy, he makes a lot of tackles. <laughs> uh, I mean, he, he's on an extraordinary pace ever since he moved into the starting lineup. If you extrapolated his tackle stats over a season, he'd be setting records almost. Uh, the guy just uh, gets to the ball. And I don't want to hear from Jim Schwartz about <laughs> Nate Gary. Uh, you know, there's no way Nate Gary is a better player than this guy. Uh, they have some of the same problems with size, I think. Uh, but uh, Singleton, you know, he, he recovered another fumble uh, Sunday. I, I think he's a guy they want to have out there on the field, three downs. Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, it's, it's weird to think that effort could really stick out like at this level. But it, I mean, it does. You know, you think that everybody plays hard and I'm sure everybody does. But, you know, he plays as hard as you've seen anybody play. I mean, it's just I think that's a big part of what he, what's made him successful because you're right. He's not the fastest. He's not the biggest, but he just is in every play because he's he's a hard worker, obviously. And, you know, I do think that like there's a, a time or two every game that you're going to see like a tight end or a wide receiver coming through the middle, like catching a pass with Singleton running as fast yeah. as he can, like trying to get back to his coverage assignment. Um, but, you know, you were getting that with anybody. Yeah. yeah. Or missing a tackle because he – Right, but you're going to get that with anybody yeah, on this but... Eagles linebacking core right now. Yeah. Um, now, I think that he's kind of quieted the the criticism of the linebacker. Because if you remember the beginning of the year, we were all – rightfully criticizing the linebackers for missing so many things. And, you know, it's still not great, but I think he has at least given them some kind of advantage in the fact that he's in almost every play right now. Yeah. You know, you're right. I mean, this is the position we were, you know, saying a lot of bad stuff about early on Singleton and TJ Edwards are solid first down linebackers. Um, and, and Singleton's a little bit more than that, I think, than, than Edwards, uh, the key there at that position is going to be the two kids they drafted and whether one of them, Bradley or Davion Taylor, can ever be, <clears throat> you know, an accomplished three-down linebacker because those are the two guys with the speed. Uh, if one of them can, right. you know, and I doubt it'll be Taylor anytime soon because he's so raw, Bradley's kind of shown some stuff, including in that Saints game when he, you know, he, went, when he, when he had the wherewithal to, to go deep with, I think it was Michael Thomas on a play that, he wasn't even supposed to be covering him, but he knew that somebody had to, and he right. stayed with him. Took away that play and, and enabled uh, uh, Josh Sweat to, to to have the strip sack. So, you know, it's a position that suddenly doesn't look as bad as it did because of the play of people like uh, Alex and 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 the potential of, of somebody like Bradley. Yeah, I agree. Uh, while we're talking about linebackers, one little thing I just have to throw in there. I was watching that <laughs> guy play for the Arizona Cardinals. You know, he nobody faulted the Eagles when they let him go because he'd been hurt so much. So I, I was curious after watching the game, gee, I, I, you know, I have a general idea that Jordan's played pretty well, but let's see how many games he's missed in two seasons with the Cardinals. And you know what the answer is? The answer is none. He's played thirty of a possible. Well, there was there's there, there's one other factor there though, Les, and you know that's money. Uh, you know, Arizona gave him a ridiculous yeah. contract uh, that this this team's never okay. going to give a linebacker because of their priorities. Yeah. But I'm kind of my point, I guess, is perhaps yeah. about the Eagles' <laughs> medical staff and training staff. 
I don't know. Maybe it's coincidence, but how does this keep happening? You know, uh, I it's uh, the guy's a good linebacker. I mean, when he first showed up with the Eagles, people were doing hosannas. You know, the, he was being compared to, you know, some of the best linebackers the Eagles have had. Uh, even though those were different eras, there's never going to be anybody Jeremiah Trotter's size, you know, guys that size are defensive ends now. But uh, it's frustrating to see a really good player that the Eagles drafted. I think you've pointed out, Damo, that they don't draft Pro Bowl players anymore. They, you know, Carson Wentz is the only one recently. And to see a guy like Hicks, who's a very, maybe not a Pro Bowl player, but a very good player that the Eagles drafted, (laughs) running around out there, uh, tapping the Eagles. Well, you know, people retire to Phoenix because it's a good place for your health, I guess. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) it's that warm weather, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So let's look at where the team is right now. Uh, 4-9-1, and it's ridiculous to think about the playoffs, but here we are. It's still not uh, settled. I don't think they're going to the playoffs. Too many things have to happen, but we're looking at this weekend. We're looking at a 405 uh, game or 425 game at Dallas. And uh, around the same time, the Washington football team will be kicking off with the Carolina Panthers. That game has been moved to late afternoon just to kind of increase the drama. Uh, if the Washington football team wins, then it doesn't matter what yep. the Eagles do. Uh, if if the Washington football team loses, uh, it certainly does matter uh, what the Eagles do. Uh, you know, they're still in it, and they're still they become much more viable with only a head-to-head game with Washington remaining. Uh, so, what's uh, Give me your takes on this uh, situation it's, going forward. It's not impossible. I don't know if it's likely, um, but I mean, I don't know. I, I, as we were talking about earlier, not on the pod before pod, um, that Washington's might be down to their fourth string quarterback because it doesn't look like Dwayne Haskins is going to play. Uh, just because you know he was photographed in a strip club <laughs> this week, so <laughs> um, so yeah, I, it's not it's it's not the most crazy path. I think honestly, the hardest thing is going to be can the Eagles beat both Washington and Dallas, and I mean that's pretty doable. Um, but yeah, you, it's it's important, I guess, to keep in mind that the Eagles haven't been a consistently good team this year. So to pencil them in for two straight wins, while it's possible, is not a given. So. Yeah. I mean, no, God we have no. seen we have seen them no. overcome some you know season-ending things that have needed to happen. You know what needs to happen this time is is small potatoes compared to some some other times when everything's fallen into place for them. Uh, as far as other teams, uh, you know, if, even going back to Andy's era, uh, but you know, I mean, if I if I if I were a betting man this week. Uh, I'd put my $153 in life savings on the Eagles against Dallas. I mean, I, Dallas is toast <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. They're, they're going to roll over. They can't, they can't stop their run to save their lives. They can't stop running quarterbacks. I mean, if, if, if Jalen Hurts throws more than five passes Sunday, they're crazy. I mean, they could just, they could just pound the ball on him. So, I mean, I, right. I, you know, but again, and, 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 uh, 
Doug's been incredible in these season ending, you know, what, what is he 13 and four now, 14 and four. Yeah. Um, but this team yeah. has been so inconsistent that that's, you know, that you don't know what's going to happen, but, um, and then if they get to six, nine and one, does anybody care? <laughs> even, even though, even though the odd yeah. part is if they're six, nine and one and win this division with a, with a home, you know, with a home game in the playoffs, they actually might win a game, but you know, getting there is, is, <laughs> well, that, then people would care, you know, I mean, that would be really something. I mean, they, how much better are they getting? I mean, yeah. it, that's what we're going to see here. Uh, if Jalen Hurts is a novelty that's nice, or even if he's a good quarterback, what are the limitations be that are going to be imposed on him by the rest of this roster? Is it, mm-hmm. you know, is it a, basically Carson Wentz was holding them back and they really are a decent team, which I don't believe, or is it, gee, that, this team can't do anything really, uh, which is how it looked the first quarter of last week's game. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Um, as far as Dallas goes, terrible defense, which really ought to play in the Eagles' favor, but the Dallas's offense can give you trouble. And, and I, if we all assume yeah. Darius Slay is going to be yeah. back this week. He is. I, I agree with Damo. If he isn't, I don't know that I agree with Damo. I, you know the Eagles. Uh, the Eagles haven't swept the Cowboys in quite a while, and uh, this could be uh, pretty tricky at, at Dallas uh, with uh, with the secondary and, and the depleted uh, resources that they have. I also, real quickly, was extremely unimpressed with Matt Fryer <laughs> yeah. at right tackle again. Uh, you know. Um, Dallas does rush the passer, even though their defense is crap overall. Uh, so, you know, there's that to consider. But, uh, but yeah, this is going to be quite a – in a way, it's kind of neat that the games yeah. are meaningful this late, uh, <laughs> even if it's, it's ridiculous <laughs> that they are. Uh, and uh, I think it's going to be uh, – you know, I think there's a decent chance the Eagles are alive going into the final week of the season. I just hope that isn't ultimately used as a justification for keeping people in jobs yeah. that maybe should move on. Yeah, I think we, at, we went through that same thing season. last year, and, I mean, not, not a whole lot changed. The offensive staff did, but it seems like it did for the worse. And, you know, it's, it, it's, it's the same yeah. exact thing. It's like you can't let the, the division, the, the poor status of the division, cloud your judgment on what you have in the building, which is just – getting it's regressing and it was bad to start right now. So yeah. right. Yeah, they need to do something in the talent acquisition area. Something big. And I don't know what that would be. To me it would be a new general manager. I don't think there's any chance that Jeffrey Lurie's going to do that. But uh, you know, long term that's going to mean a lot more than what happens in these last two games. Anyway, I think we've taken up enough of your time here in the middle of the week, Christmas week. Uh, Merry Christmas to everyone and happy holidays. And uh, we'll be back with you. Uh, There's a lot more to be, a lot more stories to be told here in this Eagle season. Uh, This is the Bird's Eye View podcast on Inquirer.com. And please read our stories there. We really put a lot of work into them. EJ, Damo. Happy holidays, guys. Happy holidays, everybody. Bye-bye.